This episode of Getting Tabled is brought to you by Valhalla Hobby. Valhalla Hobby is a hobby and game store in Verona, Wisconsin. Uh, they're on Half Mile Road and can be found... They're a small store. They concentrate on niche war games as well as the big names. So they do have your Warhammers. They do have your Magic the Gatherings. They do have your Dungeons and Dragons. But on top of that, they actually have quite a few of our favourites as well. Bushido comes to mind. They have your TT Combat games. Uh, they have your Star Wars Legion. They have Mantic. They have a absolute huge range, which is amazing given the size of the store. Uh, if you're dropping in, uh, let them know that we sent you. Uh, there's nothing that we're getting out of that. It's just let them know that we are how you found them uh, so that they know that this was worth their time. Thank you very much, and let's get into the episode. Brought to you by some guys on the internet. This is Getting Tabled. With your hosts, Jason the Bruce. You guy! George the Yang. I hope you're all entertained by my ineptitude. Jason, a.k.a. Major Socks. We've been doing this and talking about various stuff. One of the stuff. Now sit back, relax, and get tabled. Hello, future people, and welcome to episode 97 of Getting Tabled with your host, The Bruce. Hello, folks. Welcome back to another episode. Um... Thank you very much to Valhalla Hobby. We've been doing this for almost four years now, and we finally have someone that's actually been willing to step up and uh, help be a sponsor. Uh, we are actually in the middle of trying to get gettingtabled.com finally launched, uh, which wouldn't have been possible if he hadn't have stepped up. Um, so thank you very much for that. Um, no socks today, because he smells he funny. He family. Oh. <laughs> I like my excuse better. Yeah, no, he's got family over, so he's concentrating on that, which is fair. Um, but otherwise, I it's, suppose we should get into some news. It's just you and me. Just the two of two us. Of us. <laughs> Newly received or noteworthy information, especially about recent or important events. The I'm moon is made of cheese. Oh, wait, no, wrong kind of uh, recent and important events. Yeah, no, we're talking about real events, not fictional ones. Also, that was 60s. I'm not sure how recent you think that was. This is the last century. Fair enough. <laughs> just just for those of you that are wondering, yes, George is 307. He, he gets tracked of, he gets lost track of time sometimes. I drink fiber every day now, so I'm old. <laughs> All right. I'm starting this week with one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, it is the game that was the top of my list when we did that a little over a year ago now. Um, Malifaux have some releases coming out. I'm going to quickly browse over the January stuff because we kind of looked at it already, but in passing. Uh, the iconic Fae Queen is quite nice. You get both the 32 mil one that you will be able to use in the game, as well as the 75 mil that you can go nuts painting with if you really wanted to. Um, I believe, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I believe the 75 mil ones are pre-built, which personally I don't like. We'll come back to that in a minute because there's more of them later, uh, but other people do. Survival of the Fittest is also out this month. Uh, this is your alternate version of Lord Cooper, the Huntmaster, which is this cool-looking guy here on the left. Uh, and we also have the werewolf-looking Marcus, 
which is the guy on the right, and they come with two Imperium Eagles, which is this two-headed eagle thing here in the middle that looks like a blue phoenix, at least to my eyes anyway. To me, it looks like a phoenix with two head, but there's no fire. But the stuff that we haven't looked at yet, first things first, they're releasing a plushie for something from Vagrant Song, and it is possibly the cutest thing I've seen out of such a weird world for a while. I kind of like it when something creepy somehow becomes cute as a plushie. It just you mean like 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 the Cthulhu? Yeah, people do it with Cthulhu all the time, and I like especially when you know how creepy the thing is. Seeing it really cute is just so much fun because uh, in some ways it makes it creepier. <laughs> um, but in February there is two boxes that I'm already very very tempted by. First things first, there's a Clampets box, and if you don't know where the name Clampet comes from, you need to get into your television history because Texas Tea, Black Gold. Anyway, if you don't know it, you should be looking it up. So this is a box for the Gremlins. Uh, it's a new family that's being introduced as part of the new book that's come out. Uh, there's also In the Saddle, which appears to very much be an expansion for that. So we've got this giant guy riding a giant alligator. Uh, it would be an alligator, not a crocodile, because it's based in the bayou. Uh, and two buckaroos, which... Uh, there's, there's alligators yep. and crocodiles in the bayou. There's both. Is there? Yeah. Oh, okay. I stand corrected then. Yeah. Um, I didn't I'm, think I'm you gonna... had crocodiles in the US. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, well, so they're not particularly like American crocodiles. Like the, you can find Cubans and stuff like that. So okay, fair enough. Yep. Um, uh, I'm gonna point out how cool the uh, the the clampets on the little giant beast, and they have the kid on a fishing rod, like a carrot on a stick. Yep. That is <laughs> that is so goblin. Oh yeah. Like, Technically, these gremlins, but yeah, there's nothing more. There's nothing more goblin or gremlin than that. Yeah. What's the difference between a goblin and a gremlin? Source. Yeah. Source and the number of letters in the name. Yep. Um, I love everything about this. I also love, like, there's a gremlin that's wearing one of the creature's skins to try and hide from what he's hunting. Hey, you're in the box too. Yeah, I, I kind of want to know what Bruce is, if I'm honest. Uh, actually, this might tell me if I open it. Bruce is the little dog thingy. If you click on the big picture, it'll open up the back of the box and show you what, what things are. There's a little dog in the front, in front of the guy wearing the skin. That's Bruce. I quite like the buckaroos on the other box too. Like it's a buckaroo makes me think of kangaroos, which I'm guessing is where the name comes from, but it doesn't look anything like a kangaroo even vaguely. Those look like eels that have decided to learn how to uh, walk on land and grew legs. Mm. I kind of it makes me think of a chameleon to some extent, um, or the the Mexican or, uh, walking fish things. No, they're uh, giant tadpoles because tadpoles have that same kind of tail right. thing, and then they start to grow their legs. You're right. Yep. Uh, and Uncle Bog is even bigger than I thought he was. I'm going to have to get this box. That That is going to have to... Ha well, I'm going to have to get both of these boxes, and that's going to change who I want to play with. So the Clampets appear that their keyword appears to be Angler. This is 100% a new faction. I don't know anything about how they play yet, uh, but I suspect I'll be finding out because... Oh, I want to play some more Malifaux. Okay, getting a head into March. March has a couple of the starter boxes. Now, these starter boxes are supposed to be just an easy buy-in to the game. So you buy the one for your faction. Uh, in March, we have an Arcana starter box and a Ten Thunders starter box. Uh, we also have a couple of things from Through the Breach, which is the um, role-playing game from the world. And the core rules are being restocked. But the thing with these starter boxes is that they all come pre-assembled. Um, 
I've had pre-assembled. Yep. Is, isn't that kind of a bonus? Aren't, 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 isn't this the company that's uh, notorious for uh, difficult assembly, in your opinion? In my opinion, they are the most difficult. Now, wh- how you feel about this will depend on how you feel about the hobby. Well, so 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 here's my here's my two cents. I just realized. Can I, I finish my point yeah. first? Sure. My point was this is supposed to be an easy buy-in. So yes, obviously for someone that's getting into the hobby and maybe doesn't have a lot of experience, the fact that these are pre-assembled are absolutely phenomenal for that customer base. Okay, However, that's... as somebody that's had their PVC pre-builds before, I will never buy anything pre-assembled from them again. That is how bad they are. In my okay. opinion, that's that's kind of where I was I was going was you know as you said in the past these are difficult this company in particular is difficult to assemble so the fact that they're doing a, a pre-assembled box you know they're trying to encourage the I've never done this before yeah with without scaring them off hor- horribly with you know how do I glue this together now it's also oh. worth mentioning like the value that you get in these boxes like if you click on that image and open up the back side of it. The value that you get in this is absolutely phenomenal. So, I mean, you're getting oh, yeah. the four pre-assembled minis, obviously. You're getting a full fate deck, which is a full 52-card deck. You're getting the measuring widget. You're getting the scheme markers. The value in this is absolutely phenomenal, regardless of how you feel about the PVC minis. For the record, I'm in the minority on the PVC minis, too. Like, most Malifaux fans, like whenever I bring this up, most Malifaux fans will very much defend them against my opinion. Um, because it, and, and that's all it is. It's just my opinion. I was really upset with the ones that I purchased and I will never buy them again. Um, but that doesn't make me right. It just means that I didn't like them. Um, it's not like I'm, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like I'm arguing something that you can't have a different opinion on. Um, of the two of them, just speaking minis wise, I think I prefer the 10 Thunders because Kara is gorgeous. I love the Black Panther. Um, I, I I'm gonna have to agree with you that the, uh, there too, just because it's it's more of a um looks more of a gang versus the other one looks like you know some really bored lonely guy that built some friends. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, so yeah, th- that's that's it really for the Malifaux that's coming up. Um, next month we will see what's coming for April, but otherwise I'm going to move into the next story kiwi battle uh looks like some uh terrain yep so these are this is a series of the terrain that they released on friday uh this is actually designed initially by another company uh they've worked together to make a physical version of the product because the other company did them as a 3d product and they had quite a few customers that wanted to purchase it that don't have 3d printers yes there's a lot of those people still out there like significantly there's a lot of those people out there so this is a yeah uh, this is a 3d printed item that you can purchase that is reflected in the price because you'll notice like the price of these is actually quite good the detail on these is phenomenal though like these have been designed very well i'm i'm looking at the price because i don't know how much a new zealand dollar is worth to mine uh their dollar is slightly weaker than ours yeah so it's it's even better than you're thinking it is well just so the the first one the saxonia blacksmith that's 46.99 new zealand dollars that's uh thirty dollars and 41 cents in the united states so um i suppose that's pretty good uh Let's see, yeah. some assembly required. I'm guessing these aren't pre, pre, pre-painted. No, no, they're not going to be pre-painted. Yeah. Um, so there will be certain parts that you'll have to glue together. Um, they, I mean, they do show it built, and it is designed yeah. to come apart. 
If you look at their Facebook page, they will actually show you in a little bit more detail how the parts are. Um, but it's just like, and that's the same if you were to print it yourself. It's just, it, it is the way it is. Also, you know, shipping is a problem with items like this. Um, well, shipping is just going to be a problem, period, because it's going to have to go from an island nation to your country and then to the rest of the world, which as soon as you uh, add Australia into any sort of logistical path for shipping, the, the price starts going up quickly. Yeah. Um, off the top of, I don't know exactly what they're, but I believe that their shipping from here is not actually that bad. I think it's just... I think they've got deals with their shipping, but don't hold me to that. Uh, I know it wasn't that expensive for me to get it, but that doesn't necessarily translate to everybody else. Uh, just, I really like the look of this terrain, honestly. I think it looks amazing. I also like the fact that like, there's still parts of them that he hasn't updated with painted versions. So like the, the gate, for example, when you open that, um, a lot of the items for that still show what it looked like before he painted it. And then below that, like the watchtower, the ruined blacksmith, like none of that stuff has been painted yet. So you actually get to see the raw product. And I actually quite like that with a 3D. When it comes to 3D printed terrain, I kind of like when they show you that because it gives you a better idea of what you're receiving. Um, because love it or hate it, 3D printing is very much a part of this hobby now. Um, I mean, there's literally miniature companies out there selling 3D printed minis mm -hmm. as regular priced items. Uh, and yes, I'm referring to you, Warmer Hordes. Um, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing depends on A, how they're priced, and B, what they look like. So I like the fact that all of this is showing you how it looks. Like even the painted stuff, you can still see how it's been painted. Like yeah. the paint isn't being used to hide detail or uh, to hide layer lines. Like you can still see how it is. Yeah. The thing I like about items like this is that it's very clearly been designed to try and use those layer lines to its advantage. Yeah, like uh, I'm looking at the uh, the Great Hall, and with the way they've layered that up with the thatching roof and you know stuff like that, I mean you're going to be pretty hard pressed to see the print lines. Yeah, some of that is going which, to come from the way that it's been angled and stuff when it was printed too. I suspect. Which, which I you know, and and for its price too, it should be. But that Great Hall, that is an impressive looking piece of terrain. Oh hell yeah! It's also worth noting that. Um, 3D print, like layer lines and 3D printers aren't like this anymore, and they haven't been for quite some time. Um, I mean, resin versus FDM, like you can actually print a miniature on a filament printer now. It wouldn't look as good as it does on a resin printer. Yeah. But you can legitimately do that. Um, like you can get them dialed in to be to the point where you can almost not tell. That 3D printing has come a lot further. People that don't 3D print still seem to have this idea that everything that comes from them is garbage, and it hasn't really been like that for a long time. Um, the Great Hall also actually shows you what it looks like unbuilt, so you can actually see. I like yeah. that because it's actually showing you what you will receive, which is nice. Yeah, I, I really like this. I thought it was really nice when I saw it. Um, I have purchased quite a few things from Battle Kiwi, including I have uh, just, for example, if you go to Rain and then go Sea Terrain, they have a thing of islands that I unbox for the channel. These are 3D printed, and they look absolutely phenomenal. Um, so I can actually speak to the quality of their product because I have actually purchased it. Not this particular item, obviously, but I have purchased the Illicit Isles, which I still think might be the best name for a piece of terrain I've ever seen. Yeah, those look pretty good. Oh, these are amazing. All right, moving on. TT Combat. There's been a few pieces of terrain that they've released this week. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of things in the miniature lines that we've seen over the last fortnight, but some of these new terrain pieces are nice. 
Uh, I think the landing platform in particular is absolutely phenomenal. Um, for just for the record, George, we're only looking up until it says barracks. Everything below that we've seen before. Yeah, I was I was gonna say like I, I vaguely remember seeing the painting rack. Um, so I first got onto the page, right? And you you know I had my mouse on it. You said the landing platform looks great, and I'm like, um, it's a square with a couple of pieces because it was shifted to quick view because my cursor's on it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so I'm looking. I'm like, I mean, I suppose it's all right, Bruce. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, it doesn't look like that. <laughs> amazing oh wait holy cow that's oh that's hilarious um oh. why do i think this one in particular looks good i don't know it's just pretty now this is um regular 28 mil 32 mil scale so this is not for drop zone this is for your regular everything else games um i'm gonna for, i really for that like price that. for that price too that looks like a hell of a piece of terrain yeah all of this stuff is quite nice. I mean, the gantries are fine. I, I kind of feel like I've seen these gantries on every website that's ever made terrain. Um, I mean, this is not a criticism. It's just that this sort of thing is built by quite a few people. Uh, I do like the fact that it's not just all square platforms. Like you, you're getting that 45-degree cut on everything, which gives it more character. Uh, this also appears to be a little bit more modular than some of the other stuff, because everything comes apart, which I quite like. Uh, it will make it easier for storage, too, which is always a problem for MDF terrain, is how on earth you're going to store it. So I think I actually found my favorite part of the, um, the new releases, though. Yeah. The objectives. Yeah, I was getting to that. Objectives is something that everybody needs for every game, but it's kind of, it's one of those really, it's kind of hard because either you're using leftover pieces to make something out of not, or you're wasting a mini to try and create something. I like when you get like actual options and all of these kind of make sense in everything. I mean, there's some stuff here that you wouldn't want to use in a modern day game, but none of it looks that outlandish. Like obviously the first thing that comes to mind for me is infinity and I doubt that's accidental. Uh, I could see this being used in 40k as well. All you need to do is dirty it up a bit. I, I really is, like this. Why does it have to be dirty for 40k? Why? It doesn't have to uh, be dirty. <laughs> so but no, I, Lanesh would disagree. No, Slanesh, it needs to be naughty. Exactly. There's no, I, I quite like this. <laughs> no, I, I do too. Um, so 12 pounds, uh, that's that's probably what, 15 bucks, give or take? It'd be around that for you, yeah. Um, Ooh, well, the, the pound has gotten strong, uh, 18.58. Oh, okay, that's, it's still not bad though. But but that's still not bad. I mean, to have like actual like dedicated objective markers, I mean, and this is kind of thing too, where, you know, if you're a TO and you plan on running, you know, four or five tables at a time. Yeah, that's, that's you don't need to buy two or three of these. Well, like two, you'd have three or four tables. If you had a full tournament, yeah. you'd probably have to buy two or three to vary it up. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, it's like, you know, you've got six of some, five of another, four of another. You know, if you got like three or four kits, you're going to have more than enough. So it could and, be and worse. Said, you could be Ash Barker from Gorilla Miniature Games that's running a tournament of 2,000 people this weekend. I do not envy that man. Well, I, I wouldn't go and play in a tournament like that. That's that's too big. It would be too people. Too people y. <laughs> Yes, but you live in a state that has three people living in it that doesn't exist. Half a million. You can't have half a million people that live in a state that doesn't exist. That doesn't make sense. H half a million and the same land mass as the United Kingdom. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only other one we haven't discussed at this point is the barracks, um, which I didn't leave it out on purpose. We just hadn't got there yet. Uh, again, barracks is something that you kind of seen, see made by everyone. I quite like this one, though. This kind of feels like it comes straight out of a video game. Um, which I quite like. Uh, it also seems to come with a piece 
for the gantry to expand the gantry a little bit. Well, and the other cool thing is too is you know the roof is removable from the barracks yes. too. So this is one thing I definitely like about the TT combat stuff is they do actually make most of their stuff removable so that you can actually you know put stuff Remove inside it. of it. Yeah, because Good I mean you don't have to. You, you don't have to because obviously there are some games where inside of buildings just kind of doesn't work. Malifaux comes to mind. Uh, and for that blow, you just don't take it off then. That's fine. But for those games where it becomes important, like Infinity and, and other things, uh, it gives you the option. If you're doing a role-playing game, it's even easier. I really, really like this. The little mini met landing pad's quite nice too. At least I think that's what it's supposed to be, looking at the 3D thing. It looks like it's kind of like a little cargo area where like a very small very small lander would come and rest. Yeah, like the um, the, the little um, resupply ship. Yeah, I, I really like this. I think they've done really well here. So that's it from TT Combat. Um, I will just very quickly mention um, that the white box motels will be gone by the end of this week from memory. So if you want to buy any of these cheap bundles, you kind of need to do it this weekend and then they're gone, is my understanding. I continue to be very tempted by the Outer City Motel, but I'm behaving myself. The reason I am tempted by that is because it gives a perfect table for something that I'm developing, um, at least in my head, as an option. Because I have this idea, I'd like to do a table of Which like one? a caravan. Uh, the Outer City Motel. It oh, basically, God. The, the table, yeah, the table literally becomes like a motel. It's... I love this. I love this idea. It's just such a fun idea for a modern day game. Um... I had this idea in my head that I want to create a table that's like an RV, like a trailer park. Uh, and this is kind of like a continuation of that idea of what I would like to do. And based on what I'm thinking, the little pool that comes with it, you know, make that like look green and slimy for the water. <laughs> for what I'm thinking of, yes. Because, yes, I'm thinking Entropy City. Yes. Um, if I was to build it, I probably wouldn't build it that way because I'd try to make it fit anything, if that makes sense. Though I don't really have any other modern day games where it would fit. Oh, I suppose I could use it for Marvel and stuff as well. Anyway, mm, still would be on. a little off, probably. It would be, yeah. Um, but moving on, Games Workshop. There's been a few things out of Games Workshop this fortnight, but the the one that caught my eye was this Beast Herder box. So the Ash Wastes are getting a Nomad Herder. And he's Arthramite Dune Scuttler. Um, I mean, the Ash Wastes guy is just another one of the Ash Wastes guy. I mean, I don't mean that in a bad way. It, it is a cool looking mini, but it's pales in comparison next to that Dustback, like the the, yep. the the Dust Scuttler, the Dune Scuttler. Sorry, that thing is incredible. I think that might be one of the best creatures they've made for years at this point. Um, I was going to say that they they missed an opportunity there to add like something to uh, the Tyranids with that. Yeah. It's been a while since we've seen something for the Tyranids, actually. I'm wondering if we'll see some something significant for them this year uh, as part of... Because 10th edition will be out come summertime this year. And I can't... It's been that long since they've refreshed that line. Maybe this is the year that they get, like, two or three big changes in their miniature range? Possibly. I don't know who else that they would do. I mean, obviously, it's going to be Space Marines and something. But I don't know who else they would do as, as the big... Because they tend to concentrate really big on one particular force to refresh with their starter set. Um, I could it see It was Nurgle expanding. a couple of years ago. It was Necrons this time. 
I, I could see them uh, uh, expanding the Tyranid. I could also see them like possibly adding to Voton because... True. I'd kind of they're... like to see Voton as the other... I'd love to see a starter box that doesn't have Space Marines in it. I know it's not going to happen, but I would love to see it because they've never really done it. So it'd be nice if you got Voton or the Guard in there instead of Space Marines. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's too easy for them to do Space Marines because they can just like throw in a couple of sprues and it's like there's enough there points-wise to justify yeah. the value of the box. I don't think you'll ever see Guard in a box just because it's not going to work because um, you'd have to you'd have to have too many sprues or it'd be an unbalanced box. Right. Um, yeah, I, how I, big I, I want the box to be. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing like a Xenos against like a Chaos because you know it's always like Marines and Xenos, Marines and Chaos. What about Xenos and Chaos? Like, yeah, they have issues too. I'm pretty sure the Tau doesn't like you know corn coming through and like you know ransacking their territory. That's a good point. How long has it been since we've seen a, a huge shakeup of the Tau stuff? Though I don't really oh, no. think most of their stuff isn't old enough that it needs to be replaced. Then again, when has that ever stopped them? That's true. Hmm. I mean, we're talking it, six months into the future at this stage. Like, there's really no way of knowing. But yeah, because you mentioned the Tyranids, I was like, "Ooh, actually." Uh, I will just say as one last passing comment: the paint scheme on this guy, I really, really like the like the the bluey bony color of that carapace. I really, really like that. Yeah, that's uh... I kind of want an excuse to try to recreate it. I don't really have one, but that that is the definition of a paint scheme. That's not as easy to pull off as you think it will be. It's also probably not as hard as you think it will be, but because it's not just it's not just um washes being used there. That's some very careful glazing. I, I was gonna say I think it's probably their new like shade or whatever they've got coming yeah. out now. I guess we'll find out when the miniature releases because there'll be there will be stuff released. Oh, I just realized his weapon is made from their carapace. Yeah. I didn't notice that. So that's actually quite nice because it means that you can kind of change up. Because, I mean, if the instant you change and paint that metal, it's completely looking different. But I really like that. Mm. Um, moving on. So Marvel Crisis Protocol. We're getting a new box coming out for them. Uh, this particular one comes with three minis, but only two characters. So you're getting Emma Frost, which is why there's two minis. It's her as her regular form and her as her diamond form. But then you're also getting Psylocke. And Psylocke-wise, it's Psylocke. It's modern-day Psylocke as you think of her from the movies, um, as opposed to in comics, because her power set was changed. Um, like she didn't well, always originally have the energy sword thing going on. Uh, as, as long as I can remember, she she's had like the, the pink fist thing. Um, th that was the one thing that when, uh, oh, which one was it? Was, was it Apocalypse where, yes. Apoc where she was showed up and, and, and he looked worse than like some cosplayers doing Apocalypse. <laughs> um, but that's the one thing I noticed too, was, um, how Psylocke looked so much like the comic book. Yeah. Like, you know, like they, they've always had to take their adaptations of, you know, like this is this character and it looks close to the comic book and, you know, Marvel Crisis has either gone comic book or cinematic or whatnot but this is the one character where it's like the cinematic really did a good job of translating the comic book character to the screen it was in an absolutely terrible movie but yeah um paint scheme wise i don't think i like how they paint the diamond skin because to me it looks like ice uh, yeah, that's. I would use more grays personally. Rather I would than deep blue. I would flat out try like uh just like try to cr make her chrome. 
Yeah, that would work as well. Um, and then, like, white hair or something like that. I mean, there's been criticism for the fact that she's she's doing this pose, which is, it's the most Emma Frost pose you're ever going to have. So, of course, that's it's kind of, if they didn't have it, it wouldn't really look like Emma Frost as much. Uh, but it's kind of like, a lot of their poses kind of look the same at this point. Um, I, I don't mind this. I don't think the painting on that particular face is great. The, the, the blue painting is certainly a lot better as far as how it's been done. That face kind of, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think they like the way the, the eyes look uneven a little bit. But look, it'll be interesting to see what the sculpt looks like. I won't be buying this because I don't have the X-Men. Um, and Lord knows I can't afford to buy everything. Um, but if you are playing X-Men, then that's something that you're going to have to buy. Um, that's it pretty much. Uh, what do we get in the box? Uh, we are getting just three bases, apparently, because two of those will be sculpted bases. Uh, and we are getting some more tactic cards. Still no new crises, which critics have been saying for a while that they need to add some more crises in there, and they still haven't done it. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, do you have any preference for, like, out of the three of them, what you think is the nicest? Personally, Psylocke. I think Skylocke, yeah. Just because, you know, you know, going back to the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago of, you know, all the female characters have That's this pose or that pose versus, you know, like the Psylocke one it looks good. Yes, it's a, it's got a sculpted base there, which that's adding to it but you they know, seem to be very... doing that more and more actually i have an unboxing that came out this week no coming out next week um where he comes with a, a sculpted base as well it seems that they're slowly moving away from everybody having the same bases which is not necessarily a bad thing um but i know that there are people that aren't going to like the fact that that's changing i i am not a fan of sculpted bases just for I the know. fact of i i like to do my own bases i think i do a decent job on my own bases i don't need mm -hmm. some game company saying here's their base and this is what it is deal with it i don't i don't like that um yeah. I, I i i i'm saying psylocke is the better one because like it, it's a more dynamic like action pose versus yeah it's actually doing something yeah now, let's be honest, though, that's what, you know, Emma Frost would be doing, though, in the comic books, is just staying oh, 100%. there doing, doing that, so, whatever. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, and I like that they've got her classic-looking outfit, which I do like as well. Like, the sculpting on the outfit is quite nice. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how fine a detail those lines are, though, because I suspect they're going to be very, 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 very thin. Um, I thought it might be interesting to have a quick look at Team Yankee because we haven't really looked at those much. Um, so, oh, I want to click on So, if I remember I've... correctly, Team Yankee is the World War III version of Flames of War. Very much, yes. It's based on a series of books that I've never read. Um, but basically, it's yeah. What if what if World War II, what if World War Two didn't stop essentially? Then yeah, it becomes World War Three. Uh, if I you was, click on Home and go back to the front page, there's actually more to look at than just these Utes, by the way. Uh, trucks. Yes, they're Utes. No, the El Camino is a Ute. Actually, it's probably what these are. These are. Where are they from? Those look like a, a, a Chevy. They look, uh, they're, they're meant to be European, so they will actually be pickup trucks. It, it, it looks more like a 1986-ish Chevy um, uh, uh, Flareside pickup. Mm. So I quite like the pickup trucks or the utes. Um, I actually, especially given, like, this is only 15 mil, so the detail on these, like, it, it does kind of look a little bit short and chunky, but given the scale that they're working with, I actually think this is phenomenal. 
Well, given the fact of, you know, like those trucks are short and chunky from, from then too. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. That, that makes sense then. Um, um, really easy to build. Yeah. I was excited about when I found out about this, but no one in my area wanted to pick it up just because, you know, it was a more of a modern setting. Like I, I'm not a historical war gamer by any means. Like World War II stuff. Like I get that. I understand people like it. You know, World War II was a huge impacting event in human history. Yeah. But the fact of, you know, this is my era and generation of what is going on conflict wise. Like, you know, the armored vehicle, like the vehicles you play in this game. Like I've been around, I have physically touched and been in and on. 90% 90% of them are based on real world things that actually existed, yes. Or concepts that never came to fruition. Uh, there is a few things that were in theory going to be built and never actually saw the battlefield. Um, going into like the actual armoured vehicles, so this is where military naming concepts get really annoying. So we've got the B- BTRD, which is a three-pack of these quite I, I really like these russian tanks actually like they're quite nice so this one has a mortar there's another version that has like an anti-air gun i like options options are good mm-hmm. there's also the 2s9 nona ssp gun mortar battery which is just a different version of the gun mortar but this one's actually got a turret i again this stuff is 15 mil like for 15 mil scale the detail on these is phenomenal mm-hmm. uh all of them are also really easy to build. Uh, it looks like they're a mixture of hard plastic and metal and hard plastic and resin. Um, so they, they each kit is slightly different. And then you have the ASU-85 assault gun, which I think personally is the best looking out of the lot. I really love the low profile in this tank. It looks really cool. It looks very modern day. I mean, I know it's not based on something from today, but it feels very modern day to me. Like they haven't changed stylistically a lot since that. Since this, most of them are still kind of they. I mean, I know they're different, but they feel very similar to this in the modern day. Oh yeah, no, it's. I mean, that that is what current technology dictates. You know, is the appropriate shape for an armored vehicle. Yeah, it's a real shame. As much as I love mechs in real world, they don't make sense. Which is a shame because mechs are cool. Therefore, we all want mechs to be awesome. But if you use them in real life, it like tanks are just going to be better. Yep. And then finally, we have some 15 mil um, trips because we've already looked at the Utes, uh, the pickup trucks. Uh, and these are like you've got assault rifle teams, you've got RPG anti tank teams, you've got mortar teams. Most of these are single pose. It's just a matter of setting them out on the basis to make them look cool. And honestly, if I was building them, I would literally do that. I would just set them up in a way that I think looks cool. I really don't care how much sense it makes when it, like, separation and stuff. Yeah. Because you're only looking at, like, at the most, you've got four people on one of the bases. Uh, most of the others only have two people on a base. So who really cares? I, I really like this. I also like the fact that although they're single pose and people into historical gaming are usually fairly good with identifying things. I like the fact that they do actually sit there and go, that's what this is, that's what this is, that's what that is, because not everybody does get that. So it's it's nice that you don't have to go to a Facebook page and go, hey, um, I don't know what's supposed to be which, can somebody help me? This literally lays it out for you, which is good. Right. It's something that happens in Facebook groups quite a lot with what usually gets treated as stupid questions, even though it's 100% a fair question. Um, and that's why I bring it up because I like the fact that they are actually laying things out properly and actually telling people what they are. Um, I assume that these red and 
green and blue dots mean something. I don't know what it means. It's probably something in the... Oh, no, I do know what it means. It's um, the minis. They've actually said what minis go on what basis. Never mind. <laughs> I was assuming it had something to do with the rules, but it, no, it's um, all of the minis are color-coded, and I didn't realize, because I'm an idiot. Well, forgive all me, right. Bruce. I'm going to talk about one of my favorite games now. Bushido? Yep, because I love Bushido, and it's amazing. So... Um, we have quite a few things coming up this month. So these are all up for pre-order now. The first thing I'm going to talk about is kind of boring because it's just a token set. Uh, the existing token set's being phased out. These are just cardboard. Um, I, I would probably argue that you don't need to have this. Uh, there's a couple of typing errors that's been fixed. Um, and you are getting more in this than you got in the original. So it just depends on how you feel about it. Like a lot of this stuff is like you got your spirit block. Uh, you've got your exhausted. You've got your you've got your blind. Like everything there is kind of like it's stuff that you've seen before. Uh, but there are certain items here that didn't exist beforehand, so it's been updated because they kind of needed to. But whether you need to buy that over previous ones is another question. We also have a Weeping Sky Cycle deck. This I do need to buy because it has stuff in it that I need. And we also have, what does everybody want? Minis. When do we want them? Now. Where are we going to put them? I don't know, but I still want them. Where are you um, going to paint them? Paint? Who paints things? All right. Weeping Sky Cycle deck is a 34 card? No, 54 card deck. Uh, which is, it's the current version. So the cycle deck is something that kind of comes through to refresh the game every so often. When the new one comes, the old one phases out. My understanding is it doesn't mean you can't use the old ones. It's just that you can't buy them anymore and you've missed out, basically. Um, in saying that, you can find them if you want to go looking for them. Um, there's no real teasers as to what's in it. You can find teasers if you want to go hunting. Uh, but basically everything in this is updated cards um, to vary up pretty much everybody. Uh, there's things in this for every faction. It doesn't matter who you buy. You will have something in this that you want to use. And for a 54-card unique deck to a game, £12.95 is actually pretty good. Yeah. Like, this is not, like, just... It's not just a playing card deck with different pictures on it. It's literally... Every card in here is unique. So there's significant costs involved. We start with... Stephen Fry in a samurai uniform. Because you look at that mini and you tell me that face doesn't belong to Stephen Fry. No, it doesn't because the nose isn't broken. Oh, fine. Um, <laughs> so, Kazoku is from the Ryu, <clears throat> prefecture of Ryu. He's a samurai. Uh, he's 17 points, so he is up there. I'm not going to go through all of the rules for these guys, uh, but I do have it on screen now for those of you that want to pause and have a look at the video edition. But all of the cards for these are finally available on the website. They did take a week before they showed up. So the one I like rules-wise is the Yankee. So this is a guy with snake baskets that I had assumed I was going to throw them, but he doesn't. I I'm going to say that's probably pronounced Yankee. Actually, you're right. It would be Yankee, yeah, as, a as opposed to George, which is a Yankee. No, I'm not, because I'm not from the north. We could still call you the Yank, so it's too late. Well, that's, that's a different that's a different con connotation. Don't care. It was your idea, so you've got to stick with it. <laughs> you can't blame me for that. Um, Yankee is 10 rice, so he's actually quite cheap. Um, but he does... Basically, the longer the game lasts, the more powerful he becomes. But he's also someone that's going to die in like the third or fourth round, best case scenario. So he is quite cheap, but you're only going to have him for a little short amount of time. Um, he's kind of a character that you kind of want to hold back until the third round. And in the third round, you let him do all of his damage. 
uh, and then by the fourth round, he's gone. So for those of you that are huge fans of Blood of Orochi, there's now a Blood of Orochi thing here so that you can moan about it even longer uh, because Blood of Orochi is like the most broken thing in the game, even though it really isn't, and it's not even close to being a problem in the game. But you guys want to moan about it all the time. As far as minis is concerned, Master Akusa is the best. Yeah, I was like, going to say, he's just insanely good. Uh, what's what's his name from uh, Kung Fu Panda, the turtle? Yeah, yep. Yeah, it, it, it's like him in his turtle form, but then him, if he was human, like riding his turtle form <laughs> is what it looks like. Yeah. Master I mean, this, this is pulled directly. This is pulled directly from... Um, from myth, so it, it yeah. makes sense. Uh, this is this is another guy that's going to cost you. He's twenty two rice, so he is quite up there. But this guy has all of the rules. Like he just has all of the rules, and he has a mini that really does, really does live up to it. Um, I really really like this. Interestingly, he has two base sizes on the back, which I don't quite understand. But anyway, Yase is our next one. This is a mini that I am going to buy, honestly. As much as I don't play the Oni, I am going to buy this and add it to my Savage Wave. Uh, this is another... Um, it's the first time they're using it, but this is Seocast, which is interesting. Uh, they haven't seen Seocast yet. They did do resin for their new Fox box that they did recently that we'll be seeing general release very shortly. Uh, we don't have dates, but we're expecting that that's going to release alongside um adepticon that that is what we expect is going to happen sculpt wise i really like this guy like he has quite a few like very fine horns coming out of his chest he's very horny very thorny um he's clearly been visiting we're, the same gym as arnold schwarzenegger we, we are not that kind of show when he when he, when he was describing the horns folks <laughs> um i I really like this mini. I love the sculpture on the tights. It'll be interesting to see how much of that comes through in the final sculpt. I want to buy this for a couple of reasons. I mean, A, it looks gorgeous and I really want to paint it. Uh, and slowly buying a few only is not a bad thing um, if I want to expand my roster. But at the same time, I'm also curious to see how somebody else is doing with CO cast over Infinity. Um, because I've only looked at the Infinity stuff in person at the moment, and whilst it's certainly not bad, um, I've mostly had good things to say. Um, I mean, Seocast certainly doesn't live up to the promises that Seocast said that it would, but I'm very curious to see how this turns out, because I had hoped that they were going to start going into resin full-time with their bigger miniatures. Clearly, they haven't made a final decision on that yet, and they're still testing things, so it'll be interesting to see. And we've got two more. We've got Tomo. She is... Just a very innocent... Oh, no, sorry, he. He's a very innocent... Oh, no, I was right, she. Uh, very innocent and sweet-looking. Definitely not corrupted or anything at all. Like, what, what? how could you not trust that face? Look how sweet and innocent it is. Um, yeah, I, I would not want to meet this person in a dark alley because clearly your throat is not going to survive that. I wouldn't want to meet him in a well-lit alley during the middle of the day with lots of people <laughs> around. No, because you, you're still going to get your throat... Yeah, slick, yeah the, your throat slit. Um, so this is Chatee, seven rice. So this is nice and cheap. Um, yeah, I, I quite like the look of that as well. And then last but not least, for the Jung Pirates, we have Karuta, who is somebody that likes explosions to the point where when he's on the boat, his own people take his explosions away from him because they don't trust him. 
basically it's crazy harry from the muppets but it's in bushido that is what i'm taking from this i even think like the sculpt actually reminds me of crazy harry from the muppets too the only thing he doesn't have is a sinister smile he's got more of an angry like yell going yeah uh, I quite I quite like the look of this as well. Like I don't think there's really anything in this wave that's weak. Uh, I've already said what my favourite is, which is the guy on the turtle. Uh, very closely followed by the new Oni. But do you have a preference? Um, again, like the the um the stereotype like imagery and look. Uh, the Kizoko, uh, as you call him, Stephen Fry. Just he has that very like noble samurai. Yeah. You know, size and posture and like presence about him. Um, the original that, um. The original concept art of this guy actually had him wearing a samurai helmet as well. Uh, and there's kind of been mixed opinions as to what people think about having taken that off. I quite like it because it makes him stand out amongst the rest of his guys a little more because most of the Ryu are wearing their helmets and this guy has... Yeah. It just helps him helps him look a little different. Uh, but sorry, following him... Uh, probably either the, the, the Yonki or the Yasi. So, yeah, either Mr. I'm throwing snake, but, well, I'm... He doesn't actually throw the baskets. He hits people with them, which, I, like I said, I find interesting. Or Yase. Um, yeah, so Yase was my second favorite as well. But, yeah, I... Yeah, for, it's a toss-up between the two. Like, the, the, the Yonki, it's a very it's a very interesting-looking mini, whereas, you know, the Yase is just like, you know, it's it's your very, you know, you know traditional devil-oni-type yeah. look. Very, um, very Hellboy-esque if he was uh, Japanese. True, yep. The thing I like about the Yonki is... Like, they do have, like, the half-snake, half-human thing quite frequently. But even across the chest, you can even kind of see where that ends, where his corruption has kind of started. And if when I paint it, I might try and actually bring that out so that it's human skin literally right up until the point, and then it completely changes shade. Um, how I pull that off is going to be another question. But I don't know. I, I kind of like that. It, like, his, his chest is almost two-face-like because it's kind of like it's coming across here. Mm -hmm. So that, there we go. Uh, that is the GCT releases for this month. Uh, like I said, we do have the Foxes incoming still. My assumption is that we will see them at Adepticon, because usually what happens is that when the next new thing releases, the previous thing gets released regularly, and the expectation would be is that we would expect that to be released around Adepticon time. Uh, but... Night Models is a company I don't talk about very often. I'm not going to say why. It's just that I have opinions on the company. Uh, but Night Models are doing Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon, which I find very interesting and very confusing. Without me telling you why I find that interesting and confusing, do you know why, George? Because Simon has the rights to that. Simon have the rights to A Song of Ice and Fire, which I would have assumed meant both, but very clearly it doesn't, because these guys have the rights to Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon, specifically the TV shows. So that's very, very interesting. Oh. So we don't really know anything about this. I assume it's going to be large battle because I don't see how it could not be. Uh, all of their games up until this point have either been board game or skirmish size, like most famously Batman. Uh, they did previously have the Marvel license and they lost it because they weren't, in my opinion, using it very well. They kind of never really, they, they kind of, they teased what the rule set was going to be a few times and never really actually got around to it. Um, Night Models have a history with having errors in their packs, things being miscast quite frequently, or items just... Like, quite recently on YouTube, there was a guy doing an unboxing, and literally he opened the box, there was nothing inside of it. And this is one of their biggest supporters. So, 
And, and it's been a long-running issue. Oh, yeah, big time. Now, in all fairness, <laughs> I have never heard a case of Night Models not fixing that problem. Oh, I know who these guys are. These guys... I had I used to play the Batman miniatures game, and it was a problem back then, and I haven't no. played that game for four or five years. These are also so, the guys that are doing the Harry Potter game. Yes, that's where I I've, I've know them from, because I was very strongly considering picking up the Harry Potter, because Casey is a huge fan of Harry Potter. Mm. Uh, we have arguments who narrates it better, you know, uh, uh, Jim Daniels for the American listeners, or Stephen Fry for the British. There's only one answer to that. The answer is Stephen Fry. Well, Oh, go you go have a conversation with Casey. Okay. <laughs> um, um, in, in saying that, I'm not a Harry Potter fan. I really don't care. Uh, but look, this is going to be very interesting. In a game where you are going to have a lot of product, I'm kind of hoping that they really do fix their issue. Like I said, like whenever these issues have been raised, they've always been fixed, which is good. But the fact that it's been a long-running problem for four or five years at this point really needs to stop because this is a franchise that you're not going to get away with it like it will run out of control if you if you let that narrative continue it's not going to end very well so it's going to be interesting to see like i said we don't actually know much about it at this stage uh, to the yeah. point where on their facebook page if you click the image all it does is it brings you into a thing to sign up for a newsletter so well i clicked to it and it takes me to uh, uh a post about uh escape from arkham asylum on game found for batman that's weird i don't know how you've gotten to that because when I'm i click, click on it when i click on the link that's on the run sheet it takes me to uh a post about uh batman oh, escape from arkham scroll asylum. down scroll down there uh, is a arkham, reason there is a reason arkham. i wrote what we were talking about Winter is coming. It's about four, four or five posts down. Okay, there we go. There is a reason I said what we were talking about, George. Try reading. <laughs> well, I was scrolling through and looking and clicking for stuff like I couldn't find it. So, so yeah, this is, as I said, if you click on the image, it, it'll just open up okay. so you can sign up for what you want to get information about. So if you only want Game of Thrones, then that's all you'll get. Uh, and otherwise, same with everything else. So um, here, here's why. So as you said, you know, Simon has Song of Fire and Ice, right? And if you look specifically here on the Winter's Comic thing, it's they're licensing through HBO, not uh, George. Yes. Yeah. Like I said, so, I, I had always so, assumed that they would have been one and the same, but clearly they're not. Well, considering that, you know, they, they had to do the last two seasons of Game of Thrones mm -hmm. because someone didn't write the book yet. Yes. Essentially, they still became... Right, yeah, still has it. And then they've come up with this prequel, which books for that have been written. Uh, they have Probably a, never will be. I don't reckon he ever will do those. Yeah, he the, HBO does have legal precedence of, you know, they own a portion of this intellectual property now, and can probably license it as such. Yeah. So, like, I just I found it interesting just because I thought it was an interesting conversation. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that how that pans out. I going back to the whole Batman thing. There've been several times where I've tried to justify check it because Night Models is another one that's doing CO cast, and I was very tempted to have a look at some of it just so I could because. But I just I don't want to go down that line again. Um, I don't know anybody that's playing Batman anyway. So all right, moving on. Traders Galaxy. Now, this first one is probably going to confuse you while we're looking at a, just a picture of what is a digital book. So the faction guides are something that Anthony's been releasing to this game to try and... It's it's a, basically a $5 item that's trying to achieve a few things. Uh, originally, it was kind of like just... It was like a brief overview of what a faction actually is. Most of it was lore and images and artwork. Um, and that is essentially a lot of what you're paying for here. 
this particular one, and from what I understand, the ones before it as well, actually gives a new way of playing with the Valiants, called the Ren Cataneers. Uh, I'm actually doing a preview of this on Monday. Well, not, a, not just a preview, I'm doing a full review of it, because I was given an early copy of this uh, and asked if I could have a chat about it, so I do. Uh, I go through everything, I go what I do like, what I don't like. I can tell you for a fact that there's a couple of things that I have opinions on that Anthony disagrees with, because, you know, that's what gamers are. Gamers will see things differently. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that I or Anthony are right. It's just how we see things. Um, so check that out on Monday. But there's one particular upgrade card, basically, that it's not an upgrade card I would ever take because the downsides of that car, so the, the downsides of that card, I overweigh over the benefits, and I don't feel that I would ever risk putting it in my list. Uh, and he thinks it's one of the best cards in the thing. So it just depends on how you look at things. There's no real... That, that's the wonderful thing about gaming is there's no real right answer. Uh, the other one I wanted to look at is a preview of something that we have coming up for the Infestors, which is the Summoner, which is this giant spider-looking thing. It's not available for me. That's annoying. Yeah, I so sorry, this, this content isn't available. It's because it's on the Facebook group, but that's fine. Oh, I can fix that problem because I can send it to you. But while we're talking, so basically what this actually is, is it's a combination of parts from existing models to create something new. So he's actually creating a completely new character here um, at a much lower price, um, which is actually kind of really clever, actually. So the back abdomen part of that comes from the Queen, which is a rather expensive mini. Uh, and then the bottom half of that spider, uh, all of those come from different pieces within, um, within, the, um, within the line. Like, this is a combination of about five different things to create a completely new mini. I, it, Given that I know, yeah. yeah, like given I know how this has been created, I'm quite amazed at how good it looks because it has no right looking as good as it does. But the thing looks incredible. Now, this you're not going to have to kit bash this together. This will actually be a miniature that you can buy. I yeah, don't yeah. know when at this stage. I can tell you, I'm a hundred percent getting it. Uh, the way this guy's going to work is he will be able to resurrect dead bots and make them work for him, basically. Um, so this is bringing an undead element into the game uh, that Anthony has kind of always wanted the Infestors to be and they didn't have at this point. So I really, really like this. I really like this. I assume that you can now see what I'm talking about, George. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I said, yeah. I mean, it does look good. Yeah, it's for for being multiple kits as one kit. I mean, you know, it, usually when someone kit bashes, you know, they're, you know, going for the intent of looking for a specific look. And he's he's done that with the intention of, you know, making a new thing. Yeah. And, and it does look good. Like, yeah, as you said, you know, it has no no right looking as good as it does for what it is. Mm. Um, for those that are curious, like, why am I talking positively about how this mini is being created? It's, it's worth noting that this is a game literally being created by one person from their garage um, that is trying to make a business um as they go like there's really really good reasons why he's trying to do it this way because creating minis is really expensive <laughs> so and, and if you're only trying to create one thing it's even more expensive so uh he's being very very clever in this I, I really like what he's achieving here i don't know how this will be released i'm hoping it's resin i'm hoping that it's not metal uh, that's just a personal thing. I'm not a huge fan of metal minis, uh, but it's certainly possible that it could go either way. Uh, I don't have the answer to that. So, 
But that's it for the news. I have an indie that I want to talk about for the first time in a while. Indie. Definition. Independent. Type. Slang word. Jargon. All right. So, Sarissa Precision. Now, this is a company that's been around for a while. This shouldn't really be a company that most people haven't heard of. But uh, th these guys have a load of MDF terrain. And in different scales, too. Like... I the thing I didn't realise initially was how many different scales they have. Like, we was talking about a 15 mil game quite recently. You could very easily go 15 mil North American terrain, and you have pages and pages of stuff that's just perfect for Team Yankee. Um, south of the border, North Africa, industrial, Far East, if you want to play in the, the Russian side of the world. Uh, oh, sorry, no, Far East is more Asian. But there's no reason why you couldn't play there either. The big thing I want to look at. So, George, go to 28 mil, yep. modern, and go retro yep. Americana. So, you remember recently about how I was talking, and I say recently, like 20 minutes ago, I was talking about how I'd really love to create a trailer park table. These guys literally sell an MDF bus, an MDF caravan park, an MDF RV. A little bit further down, there's a residential they sell, trailer. They, they legit sell a house trailer. Yep. This is perfect for the table and the setting that I want to create. There's also things like the survival shacks and so forth. The retro Americana bundles are really, really good. So there's a retro Americana bundle 2 that comes with six of that trailer. I have almost pressed the button on this several times this week. I'm choosing not to at this stage. I just don't have the funds for it at this stage. Um, I can tell you for a fact I will be buying these uh, because this is something that is, to my knowledge, not available anywhere else. I've never seen anybody else make them. And I realise that like playing in modern day settings isn't something that everybody is comfortable with because there's other sides to that people feel uncomfortable with. For pulp-type games, uh, for horror-type things like... Um, don't look back, for example. This is perfect for settings like that because all of those horror movies are in these types of rundown settings. Like Friday the 13th is quite notoriously set in a camp that hasn't been looked after for decades. On uh, page three of that, yeah. they've got motel rooms, like two-story hotel rooms. Like what we were looking at with TT Combat a few yep. minutes ago. I quite like the gas station as well. There are a few people that do gas stations. I really like this one. Uh, it does feel very American uh, in the way it's been designed, especially with like the retro sloping roof the way that it is. I really like the electrical substation. That is definitely something I haven't seen anybody else do. I also so, really like these walls, like the walls, like there's different versions of them and they all feel like they come from the same kit. Like they're so, all broken differently. It's, I really like those walls. So, and, and it's funny too, because if you go back and you look at like the residential ranch style, yep. you know, yeah, that's where I just went. Stuff like, that. like these like, houses to some extent still exist. Uh, well, so these houses, like, it, so if you look at a, 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 a metropolitan area, you know, and, and as you move out, you can see where where growth has happened and when so yep. if you look at like you know we're, we're just gonna throw out detroit because it, it's very yeah. fitting if you look at like you know old detroit you have what's called a shotgun house you walk in the main door and it's big one big long hallway that runs the entire length of the house with rooms it's yep. called a shotgun house and then as you expand out so the people who you know had a good job and stuff like that they moved out of the shotgun house to the suburbs 
to one of these. Yeah. And and this was for the longest time the, you know, like the Leave It to Beaver, Andy Griffith area. This was like the the pinnacle of, you know, middle class living was this ranch house. Yeah. And I, I, I really that... liked the derelict versions of the houses as well, especially well, like and... with the Entropy City ex- um, Th- that's that's the ones I'm looking at. Is like those are like you know it's like the transition from like the really broken down inner city to the broken down suburb. Yeah, because let's be honest, Bruce, we're talking about just like the broken down places for your stuff. Not like, all no, of it, but there there no, is parts of it that's going to be yes. But m- most of your stuff is not going to be nice. You know, it's, it's no, gonna and be that, the that is nice. Is going to be the, the idea. I don't want to get into my game too much, but yeah, yeah. the idea of my setting is is that the city is big enough that you kind of have a little bit of everything. So like the way New York used to be in the eighties, where there is sections of it that's absolutely pristine, but if you walked into the wrong neighborhood, you knew it instantly. That's kind of the picture in my head. Kind of Gotham City in in some ways as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is perfect pristine areas, but a lot of it's not. The other thing, the other thing too, is that I think you could really take advantage of is the uh, roadside billboards. Yes, I actually do want one of the roadside billboards, and I want to get it done up with a picture saying about how awesome the city is and why you should move there. That was very clearly put there before everything went to crap. Uh, what's what's the video game where like currency is bottled co- bottle caps and um all out? Yeah, like you, you need to have like like uh, like not Fallout themed, obviously, because you'll get sued. But like yeah. you know, Fallout esque kind of you know like billboard. Like, they're really like the lady there, like the the it's like, and it says like the city of the future. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like that's the picture in my head of what I would then, like to do, and then put the OCP logo on it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like that idea. Um, I know I'm only kind of concentrating on one. It, the only reason I'm concentrating on the Retro Americana is that- it's something I was genuinely looking for and I hadn't found it. And it kind of surprised me because I would have thought that things like trailers would have been easier to find. Now, it's possible that there are other companies that's making them, but this was the first time I come across it. And I come across it accidentally. Yeah, so... Like, there's another, like, and this is a very niche terrain. Like, this is not something you're going to use for 40k Wild West Exit. Like, I can't think of a game off my top of my head where you're going to use this terrain unless you are doing some ultra board, like, for a Cthulhu role-playing game. Because this would fit into that total era of, like, you know, the 40s, 50s investigators trying to find the the old one and stop the ritual and all this other stuff. Like, that fits here. Like, you know, your stuff, it fits. This is so, so niche. It's not funny. And it looks so good. Now, here's the other thing I'm going to show you. Uh, Those that are looking at the video edition already know what I'm about to talk about because it's on screen. George, go to Painting Guide and Hobby and Sarissa Stencil System. And you'll have a page full of... Sarissa Stencil System? That's what I said. You said system. Oh, whatever. Um, <laughs> so you'll see a whole a whole big list examples of literally stencils. Like, that's what we're looking at. And third row down, in the middle, we have road markings. Boy, you could have used that like a week ago, couldn't you? Would you like to... Uh, fortnight ago, but yeah. Would you like to know how I found this website? <laughs> I was literally, uh, somebody had suggested that I should find some stencils to do it because it would be a lot easier. And I was like, yeah, but I haven't found any yet. Uh, and so I think I asked on our, I think it was our Discord where I, where it got shared with me. I could be wrong on that, but I think it was our Discord. Um, and, oh no, I think it was, I think it was the on tabletop Discord actually. 
Um, and they shared this with me, and it's like, okay, I'm buying a set of those. And I am buying a set of these. I haven't done it yet. But my basis, because the basis for my game, I'm trying to basically do all road-themed because it's kind of the way that it is. Why? Why? <laughs> because it's a motorbike game. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know. Um, but I was getting to a point, like doing those road markings, I was kind of, I was doing it with masking tape. And when it did leak, I could fix it with paint, but then you could see the black paint because I was using a texture paint that has like a grid in it. This is so much easier. I can put this over the base. I can airbrush it. I'll only ever need to do it well, once. And it gives so, me some variation is the important part. I really like the arrows. I really, so, really like this. So I have a suggestion for you to fix your uh, your screw-ups with your masking too. Tamiya? You, you, no, use a different color of, of black or something like that and make it look like it's a shoddy patch job in the road. That is kind of how it actually looks like, actually, when, when I like dab over the top of it. It kind of looks like somebody's tried to fix it the thing is is that i know what happened there so i can't unsee it most people looking at them won't notice because it's just it's just me being a perfectionist i really really like this um elsewhere like they have brick work they have letters um they have a whole heap of hazard markings that i quite like um there's lots like there's a few companies that do stencils for airbrushes on the examples they use they actually show using these with a dry brush which is quite interesting uh, I don't think personally it's the way I would use them. I would personally, if I was to do it that way, I would more stipple the, the paint on personally. Because um, I think dry brush, it's just it's going to end up getting underneath the stencil is what, what I feel is going to happen. But these are really, really nice. Uh, you could lose yourself, and I did lose myself on this website for hours to the point where I turned around to people in a message. I'm looking at this, the people that I was talking to about wanting to do the trailer park table. I started sharing them the links that I'd found. I was like, somebody stop me before I spend hundreds of dollars. What have you found? So, uh, have you read the book, Ready Player One? No, so but I know what the book is. Right, Dystopia Future. They, they had this thing they called the stacks. And these were trailer houses stacked up so you could fit more into an area. Yep, so where are you seeing those? So, I went to 40 mil, so I don't know if they're available elsewhere. City, City block, block. Yep. And I scroll out to the bottom page. Porta cabin set. And it's stacked. Oh, yeah. Yep. And perfect for MCP because that's literally the scale. They actually uh, do quite look quite nice, actually. Right? Yeah. For those that are trying to find more options for your MCP tables, I mean, this is certainly a lot cheaper than buying the official terrain. The problem with right. buying 40, 40 mil terrain is that realistically, there's not a lot in that scale at this stage. Um, as opposed to, I mean, 10, 10 mil scale, there is several games in that scale. I mean, 28 mil, everything's in that scale. But Bruce, we have to go talk about this because we always talk about these when we find them yes go 28 mil modern city block 28 mil go to page two is this the dice towers because if it's the dice towers we've talked about them before have we talked about these dice towers these are literally the ones that we saw on kickstarter and we're talking about during the episode where we spoke about oh were they okay that's that's literally what they are uh when i make my order i will be ordering one of these i just don't know which one yet oh uh, probably that one that one it fits but um I just gotta find it. Do they have a stencil to do the graffiti like that? No, they don't have a uh, graffiti one. You can get graffiti ones though. That, if you do a search for Dice Tower, oh, they do. They have a search on. Oh, they do. Yep, top right hand corner. You will get all of them, and this is where you'll start seeing things that you recognise. But the very, very last one down the bottom, Sci-Fi Grunge, I actually think looks quite modern day. Just a really rusted modern day. 
I'm really tempted by that, honestly. It wouldn't fit on every table, but it, yeah. why can't it be in the middle of nowhere? I also quite like the pool hall. Um, I mean, the city block is obviously the most universal when it comes to my personal setting, but I really I, like I, I, I think that I think that pool hall one would be pretty pretty good for yours too. Well, it fits in the setting very well, especially being that it's based around um, like gang warfare. So yeah, there we go. That's Sarissa Precision. I have looked at an absolutely tiny amount on this website. If you haven't looked at Sarissa Precision, like trust me when I say I've looked give at Give yourself a week. Yeah, like, give yourself a week. They have a lot. Um, let's discuss some hobby. So George is making lots of noise. I am making lots of noise. What, what are, are you my... grabbing? I assume you're grabbing your hobby. Yes. Yeah, my, my standing board was in the way, so... Fair enough. Alrighty. Ah, and now my rug is being eaten by my chair. There we go. Alrighty, let's see if this will work again. Yep. Alrighty, there we go. So, uh, as you saw, I got a couple of things put together from my uh, Speed Freaks box. He's only had them for three years, folks. Uh, way too long, yeah. I got the, the two uh, vehicles put together. Mm -hmm. These didn't go to, go together too too badly because, you know, standard instructions, right? Look for this yep. part number, clip the part, put it together, right? When I got to the uh, boss knobs on the bikes, that's when I discovered the bikes. None of the parts are numbered or labeled. You yeah. literally had to match pictures. So that was super annoying. So I got these guys put together. I've got four more bikes to put together. You're going to I'll enjoy have... that. Um, well, I've got fewer pieces to go through. So hopefully, all right, I'm going to set this down now. And then I got a player aid uh, for Cthulhu Death May Die. And I got some of them put together. I ordered these on Etsy. So let me grabbing grabbing parts and pieces here. Mm -hmm. Bear with me a second. There we go. Alrighty. So you have a dashboard for your investigator. Well, here we go. Oh, there we go. So this is laser etched foam. Oh, okay. With, nice. With I just yeah, right? it's painted. No, that's laser etched foam. It's 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 squishy. Nice. Right? And then laser etched MDF with some quarters and stuff. And you put your, your character dashboard for the game here, and then it has this nice, lovely acrylic cover with holes for your, your pieces to move. Nice. So did that come assembled, or did you have to put it together yourself? I had to. I had to assemble it. So I had yep, to peel no, the, the cover off that. I had to to put, glue this down. I used double stick tape instead of glue because you know I figured that'd be faster and better and, and neater. And then I had to glue on all these little. Uh, um, let me point to the right one. These little corner things. Yeah. So I uh, got those off of Etsy. Um, there's a box that's also a dice tray that these go into. But here's the cool part, right? So you got this nice clean acrylic. There's also a piece of foam that goes over it when you store it ah so you don't scratch, you can't it, scratch it up that's quickly right yeah. so um it was a little bit of a pricey investment it was about 60 bucks for the five uh for the five of these that's not bad for five of them yeah so you know you're looking at a little over 10 bucks each you know it's a player aid for let's be honest a fairly large game i've i've sunk into that and i do love the game so yeah no i quite like that i mean do people need it no obviously not because it comes with its own versions of it but well, that is certainly a lot more premium. Yeah, it the, the core doesn't come with anything. The unspeakable box, which I spent a lot on, or you can get through the new uh, Kickstarter campaign. 
it's only like thin flimsy pieces of plastic yeah which they still serve the purpose but this is extremely premium so um, and then i put together the uh the um captain for my uh custody box nice and that's been my uh hobby Nice. So I've had a couple of games this week. I oh, I've, yeah. I've been working on a website too for the, the hobby, so to speak. Yes, because we're trying to get gettingtable.com live. It's not there yet. I mean, you can look at gettingtable.com, but it'll tell you that it doesn't exist yet because it's not live. Um, unfortunately, it is in order for me. To, when I was messing around, I think the, the redirect put it live. Oh, did it? Oh, okay. Never mind. Um, so I had a couple of games this week. I had a game of Bot War. I played with my Infestors uh, versus Bjorn's Coils. And got absolutely trounced because as much as people in the group like to claim that the Infestors are really powerful, I'm sorry, but they're not. They are really piddly and weak, like massively. Like they just don't hold up against most of the armies. Um, Coils are certainly not the most atrocious army uh, when I'm sort of like powerfully atrocious. That that would be the... Um, uh, the Democracy is easily the most powerful force in the game. And I do mean easily. Um, but no, I had fun, despite how depressing that loss should have been. I actually still really enjoyed it. It's the first time I played Bot War for quite a bit because we haven't really had the chance to have a game of it because we've been kind of doing, like, there's been the Christmas break and everything else. And the group's kind of split off into doing several different things rather than all focusing on one game, which is not a bad thing because um, it means that, in theory, I'll get some more games of Bushido in. But it does mean that I haven't played Bot War in a while. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. I um, also have had a few games of Entropy City. So I had another game of Entropy City on Friday night with the same person. Um, I've been trying to get like a certain number of people through the first wave. So my first phase of testing has been about the core mechanics and whether they're fun. Uh, just because before I... Because I've written a lot more than that. Anybody that's on the Patreon will know I've written a load of it. Like 70% maybe. It's just that this last 30% is going to be much, much harder and it's going to take much longer. But I haven't tested anything beyond the core mechanics yet. Uh, I do finally have some uh, rules for guns. I've been deliberately holding off with guns on purpose. Like Very early on, I kind of explained why. It was because I wanted the... I wanted the core of the game to work first before I brought them in because I wanted to make sure that that was right before I introduced something that could mess it up. So guns, I, I literally didn't even write anything to do with guns. I knew in theory how I wanted them to work, but I didn't put anything in paper because I didn't want it to influence anything else until I was ready. So basically the, the idea I want with guns is that they're a little bit harder to use, but if you do hit with them, they're just lethal because, you know, that's how a gun works. But also, anybody that spent time in the military, especially if you know people whose job was to be on the back of the bike trying to fire an assault rifle, will tell you it's nigh on impossible uh, in real life. It just doesn't work. <laughs> uh, but that's boring. So, But that's also I why they're the shotguns. True. But the problem, like, <laughs> when you're on the back of a bike, like, you just you just don't have, like, you, you're not steady, and you kind oh, yeah, of no. have a steady arm to use a gun. But I went with the rule of cool. So at this stage, like you've got like a slightly higher target number. If you're going fast, that makes that target number even higher. I know you know most of this, George, because you were there when I was kind of going through it. Yeah, um, I, was, I was trying to provide positive input. Yeah, whilst not knowing how the game worked largely. But you right? do have a better <laughs> idea of how it works now. So yeah, that, that's that's as far as that's gotten. 
Um, so yeah, it's the faster you're going, the harder it is that it is. It's one of the only times where you probably want to going to stop because that will mean that you actually do have a chance with it. Where melee kind of, there's a stress mechanic where the higher your stress is, the harder it is to do things to the point where it could eventually cause you to crash out of the game. Um, that doesn't really have an impact on guns because if you get hit by the gun, you're just dead because you're not going to survive that. Um, in theory, with a higher powered character, someone that's actually cost you a bit of money, they will probably have something that would allow them to have a little bit more of a save on it. Um, but I haven't gotten to that point in the testing yet, so I will leave that till later. So yeah, I've been having lots of fun. And you are correct, there is no website. It's only because I'm logged into everything, so whenever I go to it, my computer is just like, oh yeah, this page that you're working on. So yeah, there's no website yet. We're working on it. It'll probably Very show true. up for you. Be yeah. So. Oh yeah, it does. <laughs> it, it, shows, it shows up for me because I'm logged in. Yeah, you're right. Yep. If you do it on your mobile, it shouldn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's where we are. Um, we are going to do something a little bit different in our game talk. Talk nerdy to me. Kickstarter isn't a store. <laughs> in a way, Kickstarter is a store. And, yeah. and, there's, so, and there's two ways to look at that. So we, we do cover Kickstarter, I mean, not infrequently, but we try not to cover it too often. And there's a few reasons for that. Some of which we will get into today, some of which we won't. I want to make it very clear, like... Both George and I have had bad experiences on Kickstarter. That's not what this conversation no, no, no. is about. I, I'm, st I'm still having a bad experience on Kickstarter, but that's beside the point. The only reason <laughs> I stopped having a bad experience is because I stopped paying attention to the lies that the man was spreading. Uh, we will have more information on that when we have our interview at some point, hopefully in February. Um, but I want to talk about what Kickstarter actually is. There's a lot of information on Kickstarter that a lot of us probably take for granted like george hinted at one of the main things i wanted to get into which was that kickstarter is not a shop and it's not supposed to be a shop i know that there are businesses out there that treat it like a storefront um the most egregious of those being there's several people in the 3d printing community that just use that so that they don't lose money through patreon which is odd because I swear that they would lose less money on Patreon, but that's just me. Uh, yeah, I think the I think the the Patreon payout uh, cut is less than what uh, Kickstarter is. I know. I don't quite. It, the reason why they do is completely irrelevant. Like, obviously, that there are people that use that platform because they don't want to use Patreon. Maybe it's because there's certain parts of the community that just don't want to touch Patreon. Um, I, I don't know. It, it's completely irrelevant. Uh, the other side of it is that Kickstarter was initially designed. So that people that don't have a way of getting a project funded have a way of getting it funded. It's funded by the community, and in turn, the community that supports it gets something in return. That could be that there's a small film that they're getting filmed, and in return, you get a copy of that film digitally or on a DVD or so on and so forth. And then maybe it gets released within a very small amount of cinemas in the country where that film was made. Uh, there's board games that probably wouldn't get made if Kickstarter didn't exist. There are some companies out there that have literally made themselves million-dollar companies through this. Simon mm -hmm. is obviously the example I'm thinking of there. They're yep. not alone in that, by the way. And I'm not mentioning it because of the usual rant. I'm just mentioning it because this is how Kickstarter has evolved. Um, so today, like, Kickstarter's been around for, what, seven, eight years at this point? Maybe nine? I don't know. It's, uh, it has been around for a while. Long enough that there are definitely people out there that don't quite get what Kickstarter was originally intended for. April 28th, 2009. Ooh, I wasn't far off. I wasn't too far off at all. So that's like 12 years. Yeah, 13. 13, yeah. 14. 
14 now, technically. So th that's kind of the conversation piece here today. But if you've never backed a Kickstarter, generally, mm. and you went through this, what, about a year and a half ago for the first time, George? Uh, Terrain Tutor was my first ever Kickstarter. Yep. And when we were having the conversation, you were like, yeah, but I don't really have the money for it yet. Um, I was like, no, but you can do it now, George. They're not going to take the money until the campaign ends. And that's the big thing. Um, with that was the that was the worst thing to ever tell me, by the way, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's definitely a trap on Kickstarter because if you get excited for something and you start pledging things without taking account for how much you're actually pledging, you can get towards the end of a month and go, "Oh, I've got like four different ones that cost me like two hundred bucks." That's like eight hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, like it's very easy to lose track to lose track of yourself. I've I've definitely done it in the past. I don't do it as much anymore. I'm very very selective with what I do, and that's actually not because of that cost. It's more for me personally. It's because I have way too much stuff in this garage over here, and I'm having to go through it and clear stuff out. Um, like I have a giant box of Mars attacks from Mantic that I helped crowdfund. And as much as I love that game and would love to play more of it, I never do because I have so much stuff, I just never get around to it. Um, ironically, some of that's coming in useful for my game right now. <laughs> um, I can tell you I'm not getting rid of Mars Attacks. That's something that I will keep. I've had plans for what I want to do with that for a long time. But so there's, there's another side of it because there are certain people, like there's certain frequent things that happens with Kickstarter that people tend to forget. It's nigh on, it's almost impossible for a project to come in on time. It happens extremely rarely. I mean, it does happen, but it's very rarely. Like the big example I'm going to use again is Simon. Even Simon, who literally make a million dollar business out of putting everything on Kickstarter again and again and again and again and again. I'm not having my rant. I'm just saying. Even most of their projects are usually about five to six months late because uh, uh, well, this well, stuff well, hasn't well, been created yet. It's not being produced yet. If it's successful, then you can book your place in line, but you don't know who else is getting that place in line before you. So, right. And just as a prime example here, so the most recent one that you and I have both done, um, that is, is in the process of shipping right now, uh, the Masters mm -hmm. of the Universe. So we're, we're talking, you know, March this year, you and I will both have that game in our hands. Yep. They had an estimate delivery of October 20, 2022. Yes. And this is from That's a company. No, it's, it's not too bad at all. That's no. from a company that knows all of what I've just told you. And they are still late quite frequently. Mm -hmm. That's... It's not as easy as to say, well, I've brought it. Why is it not showing up? And if you pay attention to the updates, most companies are usually pretty good about telling you what's going on so that you mm -hmm. at least, if something's late, you at least have an idea of it. Um, there is downsides to Kickstarter, and I'll come back to those in a minute without having a rant, uh, but there are definitely things and warning signs that you should look out for. Uh, constant delays is definitely one of them um, because excuses are very easy to write. Um, we're not going to point fingers in that conversation, but we will have to cover it. Mm -hmm. so, but of all of the things that you've backed, George, how many of them come in on time? Um, I assume none. No, I've, I've had, I'm, I'm having a look here because I'm fairly certain I've had more than one, actually. Um, I've had a couple of comics that arrived on time. So let's see here. Uh, the Dice Tower that I got. Um, yep. 
That actually was early. Yep. That was a month early. Uh, estimate delivery was December 2020. I received November 2020. Yep. So that's pretty good. Like, yeah. It showed up so quickly. I did it. I wasn't, you know, it showed up. Casey's like, what's this? I'm like, I don't know. Oh, it's my dice tower. I wasn't expecting that for like another two, three months. Um, The bag I got, uh, we talked about those on the show. Um, The backpack that was designed to hold yep. board game boxes. Um, That showed up like in October. And that was also a December delivery as well. Yeah. Um, but to be fair, a backpack's pretty easy to make. Yes. Um, and then I want to say, I can't remember when I got them. I want to say, well, no, they were late too, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. They were late because they you haven't actually the, said what it is. Um, it's the uh, deluxe board uh, train sets. Oh, uh, yes. Train, yeah, yeah. That were like a month late or something. Yeah. No, no. Um, that was a lot later than that, but nothing with manufacturing. That's because they got randomly selected by customs oh, to right. have the full on we're going yeah. to inspect every single millimeter yeah. of your shipment. Yeah. Um so I have had some on time or early. Uh for the most part though, we're talking like two, three months late. Mm. Um like here's another one. Uh they estimated delivery of the Redgrass Palette in October twenty one. We got that in twenty two Yeah, because there was production there was production delays yeah. because of so, uh, the incident yeah but i mean for the most part you know most of the stuff i've backed within like six six months to eight months it's shown up yeah consistently so the reason so. the reason i'm having this conversation is that if you're backing a kickstarter for the first time you need to remember that those dates that they give you are estimated they actually say estimated on them too but people yeah. just don't seem to notice that um, people seem to have, it's one of these things where people have selective vision as to what they notice. I was told this was going to arrive in November 2020, and it's still not here yet. Uh, I mean, that would be a very bad example, but they'd yeah. probably have some right well, and, things. And, and, and like we said at the beginning of the segment, you know, Kickstarter isn't a store. Or no, is it? it's not. There are, there are companies that treat it like a store. I mean, so, for, the perfect example is your dice tower and your bags. Those... Already, well, it's not so much that I'll take the bags. Sorry, those bags already existed because they'd backed them before. Ish. This yeah. was just another. No, no, those bags literally. It was not oh, the first time okay. they made them, and it's not the last time they've made them. They've done it again since, but okay. they usually add new things every time they do it, and they just gotcha. make it available again. And it's gotcha. just, it, it is what it is. Well, um, so here, here's my next uh, example of, or is it? Um, in the case of say Simon. Yeah, and that's where I was sure, 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 it's a couple months late, but you can consistently back a Seamon project, and at this point, they have a flawless track record of delivering a product. Yeah. So you, if you see a Kickstarter by Seamon, you have a 100% guarantee right now that that's going to show up on your doorstep maybe a few months late, but it I, is going to show up. I would be reluctant to say 100%. Mismanagement can happen in any company. I, I'm talking it, as nobody's right now. Yes, I'm talking I right now, right now. Yeah. Because if you go back two years, Mythic Games was in that same of they're this big is enough. exactly why I mentioned they, it. They, they have delivered everything. Yeah. Um, we're two years later, and uh, they've delivered one thing now, and, and the, are in trouble. outstanding. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah. a lot of the excuses that they have given are... Uh, of their uh, own making, uh, well, the, the excuses are of problems of their own making, essentially. Yeah, like they they can say all they want, but we'll we'll, we'll 
we'll get off of that. Um, yeah. We're going to talk about Platypus Industries now. Yep. Platypus Industries is exactly the kind of company that, that wants to a Kickstarter. That. Yeah, this is exactly the kind of company because this looks like a great game. I unfortunately am not going to be able to back it because my favorite game uh, has an expansion coming out. So I went with that instead of the Australian game. I'm sorry, Bruce. Um, <laughs> but even that, I mean, that he's another guy that's been through and, and that's delayed. And like none of this talk about delay is an accusation on the people that are delayed. The, the whole point of that conversation was to tell you this is very frequent and something when you go into this, you should expect it to be late. Well, and, and so here's my next thing too. If you're delayed, sure, things happen. Yep. Tell me that you're delayed. Tell me why you're delayed. Tell me what you're working on to catch up, you know, or why you're taking longer because you're trying to deliver a better, better quality product. Mm -hmm. You can delay all day long as long as you are being upfront, honest, and, you know, a reason why. Yeah. So, happen. and he, here's the other thing. What the other side of this question is what you should expect from a company when you have backed one of their products, assuming that it's successful. Um, first things first, whether this first one's a good thing or a bad thing depends on yourself. Um, if this is a company that launches Kickstarters quite regularly, you should expect that you will eventually get an update to tell you that the next one is coming and that if you're interested, please come and back it. Uh, and it will usually be something along the lines of, oh, this is very exciting. We're now doing this thing. Uh, please come and support us. Please, oh, please. Uh, like, it'll be the whole, it's very exciting. You should support mm -hmm. us on this too, because look at how great this thing was. Yep. It usually happens after a project has been delivered. But in a case of like a company like Simon that does five or six a year, you will get that obviously before your product has arrived, because that's like, you can't produce a game that quickly. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it does annoy certain people. I am one of those people that get annoyed by it. Sometimes it depends on how it's worded because sometimes it feels like you just get hounded. Uh, but once you're in, they will treat you as one of their one of their fans that's interested in their stuff because you've helped fund their you've helped fund their project. You're part of their family now, so you're very clearly going to be interested in whatever it is that the next thing is. Uh, it doesn't mean that you have to back it, but there's obviously a chance that you would if you were happy with what you receive. Um, but you should also be respecting, so expecting at least semi-regular updates during a campaign. You would usually expect to be receiving updates every couple of days. It depends on the campaign. Some Kickstarter fans tend to expect a lot of attention during a campaign. Like they expect to, like usually, like there are people that literally get paid and the only thing that they are paid for is to run the campaign and answer questions. Uh, because there will be people that back out if they're waiting an hour to get a question. Now, that is very much not a fair thing for a business to have to deal with, but it is kind of what is expected now, especially from big companies. Mm -hmm. um, that's certainly one of the things that the small guys struggle with, because, I mean, if hypothetically, if my Entropy City thing became successful one day and I had to go to Kickstarter for it, which I probably would have to, I don't have the money to do it myself, um, I have a real-time job. I work nine to five. Like there's no way that I could be online 24 seven. And there's no way that I'd be able to take a month off to do that. And most small people are the same in that regard. Um, Simons of the world, obviously they have million dollar businesses and they can afford to hire people that could literally do that 24 seven, maybe probably three or four people. 
Um, it's usually three from what I've seen of uh, their campaigns. Yeah. And most of them tend to have pretty good reputations with their communities because they get known over time. But you should be expecting those sort of updates. Once a campaign goes live, you will stop receiving daily updates or every two or three day updates. Initially, for that, like big companies will usually go, okay, we're taking a week off now because we're just, we have nothing left. They usually, they usually kind of collapse for a week. So, um, uh, just to give you an idea too of uh, for the for the viewers uh, listeners, yep. um, and we're going to go back to Masters of the Universe because that's the most recent one that you know we're expecting delivery on. Where I was, that's so, where I was leading. Yeah, yeah. So duration was from nine fourteen twenty one to ten one twenty one. So two weeks. Yep. In that two weeks, there were seventy three updates from the start of campaign to the close of campaign. Yep. Seventy three. A lot updates. more than one a day. Yeah. Which yeah, um, all the way up to so uh, we're at update one oh eight right now. So from ten one twenty one to January twenty one twenty three, we've had twenty uh, twenty some odd updates, thirty yeah. some odd updates. Because you, you know, will eventually get to a point where it's like it's one a month, or at least it should be one a month. Sometimes it's one every couple of months. It depends on what's happening for a company well, that's got a reputation that they can rely on. Usually, they will actually tell you when to expect it. Simon are usually pretty notorious for once a month, and if there's not going to be an update, well, they'll usually say no. So, so per, per Gary and the terms of Kickstarter, a successful campaign must update once a month upon. Yes, completion. but not everybody does. So, um, so, so company like Simon, who you know, they're at the point of like you know they have to dot i's and cross t's exactly with everything else they've got going on because they're also publicly traded. So i's and t's they're owned by Asmodee. Yep. So they do do a once a month update on every campaign, regardless, because that's what is required of the terms of services. If they don't do that and they miss out on that, someone's going to come knocking on the door saying you're not doing your job. Yep. So. Um, My point was more going to be something along the lines of, like, you should be expecting once a month. And if you don't get that, your update for that month might just be, uh, things are continuing, uh, we have nothing new to update, but feel free to ask questions if you have them. Uh, Like, that could literally be the update that you receive for the month. Because if they have nothing to show you, they can't make it up. Yeah, Um, and and quite frankly, I would much rather have an update like that saying nothing new, uh, things are continuing on from where they were last month. That's great, because you're at least telling me there's nothing new. When a company goes two months, and the only thing you're seeing is, you know announcements of you know hey we've sold this or hey we need to do this and then like all these other projects have no updates on it's like what are you doing what's going on yeah you know and yeah And, and then you get to the other side of it because whenever there is a funding opportunity there are people that will take advantage of that system um and unfortunately kickstarter is not immune from that and i'm not specifically talking about gaming here I, I will I will specifically bring one up because it was a great solution for a problem that board games have. And um, unfortunately, I didn't pay attention to comments um, because it was exposed before the funding period was ended. And so of the high point of $88,983, they only finished the campaign with 53940 Because it was found uh, somewhere else on the internet, the designs of their 
project with someone else's name belonging to someone else and this company was uh, just trying okay. to kickstart yeah. yeah so this is where it you does know, happen you, yes it does happen um and I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and throw it out there mag holder i even mentioned it on the show because i thought it was great it's plastic trays that stack together are magnetized for holding all the various stacks of cards for a card a game say like nemesis how many cards are in nemesis bruce too many right uh massive darkness too uh too many yeah. uh i mean it's, it's it's the result of some of these games is they have a lot of cards this is a great solution they magnetize together you could stack them they were great they were wonderful uh i think the pledge was like 50 bucks or something like that for a set of 10 seems pretty reasonable and that then, was stealing it from somebody else and they were stealing it from someone else and then uh the pledge manager opened on the 15th of october saying go fill out your pledges add-on add-ons and that was the last you've ever heard of them yeah so unfortunately there are not so, a small number of stories of this if you are curious on the darker side of Kickstarter, again, we're not here to rag on companies at the moment um, because there's certainly one that we could, there's certainly two that we could mention. But if you go actually, to- I, Sorry, Drew, I just Let looked me- at the, uh, the, the mag holder one that I was just talking about. It actually does now say deactivated by Kickstarter, which means you can no longer add the access to the pledge manager to yeah. give more money. So. Yeah. Um, if you are interested in the dark side of Kickstarter, it won't exclusively be board games and war games, but do a Google search for Slope's Game Room. He has an entire series called Kick Scammers, where literally he talks about these projects and some of the most notorious ones of people stealing your money. Um, so the thing I like about Kickstarter specifically is that Kickstarter have a requirement that you need to have a prototype that exists. So you can't just say, we're going to create this thing and it's a pipe dream and the technology doesn't exist. You have to at least, in theory, prove that it exists. So even like with the example that you used, like it was a stolen item, but they could at least prove that it existed. So in yep. theory, that's how it got live. Um, I can't say that I'm going to create a console with technology that, that's going to fit in the size of my hand uh, but it has the power of a PS5 and will play PS5 and Xbox and Sega and like because that clearly doesn't exist. But there are other crowdsourcing campaigns where companies could technically create those and do quite regularly um, because it's not necessarily required that you have to show that there is a prototype um, because it's up to the audience to determine what they're willing to back and what they're not. So yeah, if you're interested in the darker side of Kickstarter, Kickstarter, I would definitely recommend that. Like, there are some horror stories that will terrify you, uh, but it's definitely worth having a look at some of those stories, because if you start worrying about, because I mentioned earlier, like updates, like, it's really easy to make up an excuse for delays. Some of these excuses are fairly notoriously copied and pasted. Um, I won't mention who, but a certain person that lied about another company being the response that the reason why their company fell over um was very much using some of those excuses um i would be surprised if there's not more investigation done there at some point but it's the other one that we've hinted at has used a few coincidence not convinced coincidence a few convenient excuses as well it's convenient excuses that you need to be aware of like Production delays are 100% a real thing, but it's also 100% an excuse that people can use Uh, because there's not really a way of proving that there's been a production delay. I mean, hypothetically, if I receive prototypes, because you will receive prototypes before production to ensure that you're happy with the quality of what you're receiving, 
And if I have an issue with it and I want something changed, that's going to create a production delay because that needs to be changed and therefore it needs to be checked again before prototyping, which is another cost to me. Um, if that happens with Simon, like Simon did have that with He-Man at one point, there was something that they were unhappy about. It didn't come out of the mold properly, so they had to redesign it entirely. Mm-hmm. It was the trees. It was some, I don't remember what it was. It was something. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why they got delayed. Now, Simon actually showed what they were unhappy with, sort of. Mm-hmm. They didn't show everything, but they showed enough that it was like, no, this is what's going on. And I'm not saying that companies have to do that. Um, but if they're unwilling to show anything, that's the red flags that you should be aware of. Um, because like I said, well, it's very easy to write an excuse. Well, and that goes to my argument of Simon is a large enough company that, you know, they, they're going to do something like that of, you know, Hey, we're delaying because of this, because this isn't meeting our standards. Yeah. So, um, and then uh, w- one more thing on Kickstarter that, you know, that we need to talk about because, mm-hmm. I'm pseudo affected by this and you are directly affected by this. A great, awesome, well-managed funded campaign that has all the stuff happening for it. All this talk, they show up to conventions and then all of a sudden nothing. Yeah. And that could a hundred percent be a legitimate thing, or it could be that it's just been mismanagement or it could have been uh, somebody that was pulling the wool over your eyes the entire time. Like that can happen in all three situations. Um, now sometimes people go out of business. If I go to create a game on Kickstarter and I have all of these really impressive prototypes and everything looks like it's start rolled up, like through a hundred percent no fault of my own, I could go under financially if I've like undercosted something or if uh production like the costs of some of the materials go way above what they should like the pandemic affected this like we've said several times that we were surprised more companies didn't go out of business because of it uh because like metal minis in particular got extremely expensive at one point it still hasn't entirely recovered i mean it's better than it was but it's yeah like we are getting to a point i've I've been saying for a while i think we're at the point where metal minis are just not going to be as affordable anymore well i so I, I'm of the standpoint, though, I hope Metal Minis go away because I just, I can't stand. Oh, I don't like them either, but I, I, tr- I try to make it clear that that's not why I make these comments. Um, I mean, I really don't like Metal Minis at all like this. I, I find that there's very few upsides to them other than for a business standpoint, they used to be a lot cheaper to produce with a really high quality. Um, but the, the downsides of them in my eyes was just so frustrating. Uh, but if a company goes out of business, there really isn't much that you can do on Kickstarter because it is one of the risks that you take. Um, it's one of the reasons why, and I will mention them now, uh, the Mythic Games thing scared us so much because they had several Kickstarters that were outstanding. That was millions of dollars. Um, and if they had have gone under, there would have been nothing that anybody could have done about it. Unless it could be proven that they'd been fraudulent, which um, wasn't, wasn't I, necessarily the case. So, so, so I, I think that would have been, you know, so one, you'd have to look at French law because they are in France. They, they are, you know, that's the country they're in, you know, to the tune of over $6 million. And then that all disappears. That's large enough that the government is going to stop and, you know, start going through your records, figure out like you have defrauded people at this point. Yeah. I, I, I think that's the exception. Let's, let's, uh, blah, 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 blah. You know, like 
these CMON games where they're, you know, multis of millions of dollars. Mm. Pro- probably the same thing. We're, we're, we're going to talk to talk about Platypus Industries with drop bearers. Um, 85, oh, sorry, 179,000 Australian dollars. Yep. If something worst case scenario happens and this game does not get delivered, there's not going to be much of, you know, quote unquote, an inquiry to that. I mean, really. the, the, the amount of funding for the investigation versus how much was lost, it's going to wash. It's, you know, the, the, there's going to be a, a, a level of we're, we don't have have the resources to look into this and you know? kickstarter won't help you on this yep i mean worst ca- I mean, best case scenario is if it's found that somebody is being fraudulent and lying to their i'm going to say customers but backers um then they might close the campaign down hopefully it gets closed down before the money goes to them but if it's afterwards there's really not, like that doesn't actually help anybody there's been a few cases where american customers have been able to do a class action lawsuit and in theory, there was money they got back to some of them, but very few got all of their money back. Uh, and even then, it was only the American customers that actually got anything back at all. Mm-hmm. Like anybody from anywhere else certainly didn't. Uh, so it's there's genuinely a risk. Like there is actually a section that they're required to fill out on Kickstarter about the risks that you will be facing and how they're dealing with those. A lot of the time, that section is copy and pasted. Like it's... I do look at it, but honestly, it's it usually reads the same thing almost every time. Because most of these companies, like, is there risks? Yes, this is what the risks are. But it's not going to happen. I've planned for everything. And maybe they have planned for everything. Maybe they haven't. It's kind of irrelevant. Uh, but as the consumer, we need to be looking at that more. Because when these things go under, it's us that gets affected. And you really don't have much of a leg to stand on. Because you didn't buy something from a store. You don't have a trade commission that can back you on this, generally speaking. Um, So you need to be aware of what risks you are willing to take. Because there is risks involved. So I I think that's that's the largest part of it. Kickstarter is an amazing thing. There is products. And I I talk about Kickstarter. This does apply to everything else as well. GameFound is one that's more modern and is trying to kind of become the new standard when it comes to gaming. Um, GoFundMe is another crowdsourcing one, but that's specifically for I need help. Can you please help me with this? It is certainly another one that gets defrauded a lot, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, like uh, the, the big example of that was the uh, the homeless guy that gave this couple his last twenty bucks, and they got like half a million. And it's like, oh hey, they just all three of them scammed the hell out of everyone. Yeah, that yeah. was that, that was good stuff right there. Um, yeah, yeah. So that, no, that's it. Like we have back things. Like I am, I certainly a fan of Kickstarter. I'm certainly very. Very selective with what I back nowadays. Uh, I mean, I'll get lost in the hype train as much as anybody else will. The reason we are not Kickstarter-focused in our news is because I try to be very, very selective with what I choose that I want to talk about. Um, Like, for example, CMON are on Kickstarter right now with uh, the third wave of their Marvel United game. I have very strong opinions on that game. They're very negative opinions. Not because of the game itself, but because I don't believe it belongs on Kickstarter. Therefore, I chose not to cover it. There are other ones where it's like, this looks really good, but I don't know who you are, and I don't know how much I want to risk talking about it. So that's why we don't always cover everything. Also, you know, sometimes there's news to talk about for, you know, actual companies that exist. So I just, I I wanted to do this because it's, I think it's an important conversation that needs to happen a little bit more frequently. And we're both people that's been burnt. We're both people that's been very, very happy. Um, the, The last thought I will leave you on, if you back a game and you receive that game and it's really good and you're proud to have been part of it, that is awesome. 
The thing you need to remember, though, is that although you helped create it, you don't have any ownership of it. It's not your intellectual property because you helped fund it. This is not Shark Tank. You're not backing it and getting a percentage of the company. Uh, you're just backing it in exchange to receive whatever it is that they've promised you. Um, there are people that have an issue with, with it in that regard. I don't think that's really fair, personally. I, but I, 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 th th I think the only legit legitimate standpoint someone would have on something like that is... You know, at at this point, like I, I'm going to use, you know, the the big thorn on my side, Hell of the Last Saga. Mm -hmm. I am in that game for two hundred eighty five dollars. Yeah. That makes me an investor. Investors are due the courtesy of you know information, you know, yes. um, open door, uh, like you know, transparency. That's where transparency. They are owed that. Yes, I ha my I have point, given them money. Yeah, my so, point was more that you backing it doesn't mean that you yeah. have stock in it. Even so, if mentally you feel like you're invested in it, you don't own stock in that product so and then we're, we're, we're gonna jump finish up on one little side note of what you just said if you know if you backed a game and you're happy about it so i did back a game and i did see it for sale on a miniature market because they're also owned by asmodee so who who would have thought it that you'd see a simon game at miniature market on sale you know since it's all owned by asmodee right mm -hmm. so i i was able to get my hands on the deluxe version because ah. i did back it on kickstarter it was about $30 more than the regular version that is available on Miniature Market. I also have about 10 times the game. Yes. And instead of three monsters, I've got, I think, 10 in there, which means more replayability, a more fun game. That is like, that's part of the risk you take when you're doing something on Kickstarter like this is there's also a chance, especially with some of these board game companies where the game you get is more of the game than what someone can go and buy. Yep. So, you know, and, and that's part of the lure and attraction to a Kickstarter as well as if I do this, if I help this company bring this idea to life, I get more out of it than someone will get out of it two years down the road when they just buy it off the shelf. It is worth so. noting, though, that not all companies can go to the same level that others do. Like, Simon are quite notorious for this because they, rather than just doing what would be a normal retail box, they will go with an entire line. And sometimes more than half of it is not going to be available at retail. Mm -hmm. um, it It's factored into the price that you're paying. You're not getting this stuff for free. People seem to assume that they're getting it for free, but they're not. Uh, but if you're going for a small creator, you cannot expect that they are going to be able to do that. You would get a discount because you are backing them and you should expect one. Um, they should be showing you what that discount would be. Like it might be that it's like, it might be like a minimum, like it's 10 to $15 cheaper than what they intend to do at retail, maybe. Uh, it's <laughs> usually more than that, but that that's what you could... That should be part of what you're expecting, but don't let a company like Simon become what you expect from a campaign mm. because that's not what it is. That's not a dig at Simon. I'm just yeah, saying no, like, big I, I, companies I, I, can afford that. Small companies can't because if it's a one-man team, they are barely going to... Like, they're, they're probably not making a profit to begin with. I'm there it is. Um, let's see. So, uh, let's see here. I believe this was, 
I'm trying because this is also a, it's not a small company, but it is a reasonably small company. Um, uh, uh, what are they called? Where's their name at? I've blown right past it. Um, my god, I cannot see the company name on this Kickstarter. It doesn't matter. Uh, it was just a point of like different companies can afford to do different levels of extras. Whilst you should be expecting them, don't expect to get a mile of stuff for free, and even the stuff like it's not for free anyway. It's actually factored into the price. Right, but I'm saying like like it's Darwin's journey. I can't see who's who the company is um but and yes it, it, they are a premium item you're paying for yeah it's it, it's in a collector's edition of the game that you know you could have pledged for the yes. retail copy is not going to have that yes you know yeah. and, and that's even with the the, the scooby-doo game i paid more for that than what the actual retail copy is mm -hmm. i paid more for that content no one else is getting that content though from retail you can't get that content at retail i did I backed, pay more for it i backed a documentary on kickstarter which was somebody did a trip riding on their Honda P50 from Malaysia to England, literally the entire trip. And they filmed it on like just a, just a regular action cam type thing. Uh, and like, like they actually filmed the entire trip and they backed it so they can get like professional editors and stuff and da 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 da. It's a wonderful thing. You can actually find sections of it on YouTube. Uh, for that, I got a copy of the DVD, which is not being sold. Like you cannot buy that DVD. Uh, and that's what I got that was exclusive. Um, I, I did another one where it's like a thing on Mall Santas and the life outside of that. Um, and I got a copy of either a Blu-ray or a DVD. I don't remember which. Um, ironically, it featured a wrestler that I'm a very big fan of. Yeah. Uh, and I got a copy of that. It's never going to be sold outside of it. So it's not just, like I said, it's not just board games. It's not just yeah, no, like, extra yeah, stuff. I, yeah, I, I, I'm just saying that because you know, that's where our primary focus is, is the game yes. aspect. Yes, I know, I know. But yeah, but yeah t typically on a Kickstarter, I mean, you, you, there, there, you should get something of, you know, exclusivity. And, and like I said, you know, and, and, and that should, you know, it should help bring some joy to the, the whole experience and, and keep you coming back to support some of these, you know, projects. Like I said, drop bears i really want that game i just i right i look now, forward I to it. it i look forward to it arriving yeah and you know that didn't stop me from giving the guy a couple bucks to like you know here you go yeah. i just can't get the full-blown thing you know I, yeah as i now, mentioned you know my favorite game is you know <laughs> yes yeah no it's fine um upcoming events upcoming events are we uh yes demos conventions you know that kind of stuff what kind so of I just stuff? Want, I just want to move on because we we kind of we've been talking in circles oh, yeah. for like ten minutes. Yeah, so. that, yeah, you're you're fair. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I tried to end that conversation like four different times. <laughs> Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, okay, upcoming events. I'm only mentioning the one at this stage. It's Adepticon. It's March 22nd till March 26th. We are starting to see the list of people that are going to be showing up at this stage. It's definitely worth like keeping an eye on your favorite gaming companies to see if they are planning to be there or, or if they have people that are running tournaments there, one or the other. Um, I know GCT Studios are going to be there. We can expect that there will be a big release for the event because it is one of their bigger events for the year. Uh, and we should be expecting that the Fox box that George is going to buy should release at that stage as well. George is going to buy. 
Uh, but that's the only George, one I wanted to mention. George can't really come up with a good excuse not to. No, I know. That's the wonderful <laughs> thing. Um, I thank you again to Valhalla Hobby. Uh, this is the first sponsorship that we've had as part of the podcast. Uh, we are, like, it's something that's been available on our Kickstarter for quite a long time. Patreon. Uh, and it's Patreon, Patreon sorry. It's... Patreon. It's because we just talked about Kickstarter for a whole lot. Um, and we kind of, like, we reshuffled it a few times, uh, but we've actually got somebody on board. It's the only way that we can afford to do our gettingtabled.com, uh, which is being worked on at the moment. George kind of jumped the gun on something, and it's kind of meant that it's been delayed before we can connect something. And that's no, fine. No, 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 no. Everything's working fine, but for it to be as as pretty as it should be, I uh, we gotta wait another uh, forty seven days. No, fifty seven days, I think. Yeah, no, it's yes, I think it's about 40, 48 days now. Actually, it's the merge thing where it like it, rather than it being a redirect thing. It's uh, so, it's, it's it's DNS entries and stuff like that. If you want me to talk about that, um, it's boring. I'll record an episode. It. It'll help you go to sleep. <laughs> but that's it. Um, thank you, Valhalla Hobbies. Like I said, they're based they're based in Wisconsin. Uh, they are a small store. They've got all of your big names, as you would expect, but they're also covering a lot of the smaller niche games as well. I mentioned they, a few of them earlier, Bushido, uh, your Star Wars stuff, Battletech, uh, Call of Cthulhu, uh, both of the dropped games. Um, plus, like it, it's just it's a huge list of different things here. Um, so definitely go and check them out if you're in the area. They do have a website, which is ValhallaHobby.com, which I did not mention earlier. Um, if you're in the area, or if you're in the U.S., or if you didn't, or if you're in the U.S., go and check them out. And thank you very much. Uh, if you, you like, oh. yep. Oh, if you like what I what we do, please consider supporting us on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/GettingTabled. Uh, we have a competition running at the moment where for every month that you support us, you receive one entry into the competition where we're giving away a giant Shaltari battle fleet for Drop Fleet Commander. It includes the, dro the Dreadnought, the Starter Box, the Frigates Box, and the Cruisers Box. And that'll, be sent that'll all be sent out to one lucky person. Um, most of our posts are available on facebook.com slash getting tabled. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash getting tabled. Uh, how can people get in touch, George? Uh, you can email us at e uh, gettingtable at gmail.com. Uh, that may change in the future as well. But for now, gettingtabled at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at gettingtabled. And the website right now is gettingtabled.weebly.com. Uh, pay attention for when that changes as well. Bruce, uh, you have a Twitch. Uh, I have removed my Twitch because unfortunately I will not be able to stream for the next six months. Oh, that's terrible. I have a change of hours coming at work in about a month and a half time, and it's going to last for about six months. Uh, and it's kind of meant that it's not really worth going back. I mean, if you want to follow me, it's twitch.com slash Jason the Bruce. Uh, I'm not going to, I just, I can't do it on a regular basis anymore. Uh, I may do it casually between now and March when those hours change. Uh, and then maybe casually over weekends, but I can't do it as a regular thing because by the time I get home from work with the new hours over that six months, it'll be too late for me to start. I have other people in the house I have to consider. So, Bruce, stop being an adult. 
Trust me, I'm not happy about it. The reason I accepted the position that I'm in is because this wasn't supposed to be happening anymore. But it's not just affecting me, it's happening across the entire ward, and everybody's unhappy about it. So, kind of rocking a hard place. That's it. Is that it? That's it. This one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For listening to Getting Table. Music used in this podcast was created by Eric Mataris at soundimage.org.